He didn't know what to do. They're always, always picking on that fellow. Somebody said, if somebody your church won the lottery, would you take the money? I just, we got an agreement. You don't tell us where it came from, and we won't tell you where it goes. We're just... <laughs> but uh, that's the way those things go. But anyway, you pray for Kurt and pray the smart family regarding this matter. Also now, it's uh, uh, not that this is any motivation, but it is uh, cooling off and... You know how we do things around here. Some of you are still praying about whether or not to be baptized. Uh, you may want to go ahead and get that taken care of. Uh, it's crazy to tell you, there's nothing to stop us from breaking the ice and going down that water. And God will, God will bless you for it. But it's more of a blessing in warm weather. I've done it both both ways. Um, you know, singing that song in the garden. I got saved in December '76, and following Easter, they were putting on a big church program in the church, and they asked four of us fellas if we'd sing, sing that song in the garden. Each of us sang a verse, and then uh, we sang the first verse again, so the fourth fellow could sing a verse, and we all sang on the chorus. And it's a funny thing, I was in that church for another two years, and they never asked us to sing again. That was the only. That was the first and last time they ever asked us to sing, but I'll never forget that song. We memorized that song, and the fellow was a song leader. He'd come out, and he'd rehearse, and he'd say, Now the alto come in. We'd just look at each other. We didn't know what any of that stuff was, but had a good time learning the song. All right, Zechariah chapter number 5. Zechariah chapter 5. I want to get through this tonight because there really isn't any way to break it up into two, three messages and maintain the continuity of the thing. We'll just run through it best we can, and you get what you can from it. If you're in the Monday night class and haven't gotten your book on Matthew yet, we've got two left. We've got 12 in the class. We ordered 20 books and gave away 18 this morning. So uh, either some of you are going to join or you're going to study at home. That's fine. Either way, we can get some more of these. But if you didn't get one, uh, whether you're studying at home or coming on Monday night, this good little study guide will uh, help you out going through the book of Matthew. All right, Zechariah chapter 5, beginning at verse 5. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes, see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? He said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. Notice, not an ephod. That would be E-P-H-O-D, ephod, which is the priestly garment. This is an ephah. It is a basket. It contains the largest measure of, of weight in the Hebrew system. It'll contain one and four-ninths bushels. This is a basket, almost half again as large as a bushel basket. And this is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. What a strange thing. He sees a basket bushel and a half sized basket and the angel says to him man we got these things all over the earth that's the vision that he's given him and behold there was lifted up a talent of lead now lead is a metal of dull white color as you know has a blue cast it's soft easily fusible it's the least elastic of all metals it's found native in small masses but is generally mineralized by sulfur a talent of lead among the Hebrews, a talent of lead among the Hebrews was 94 pounds. 94 pounds. So this fellow sees these baskets, and then he sees these, uh, these 94 pound lead things, and he looks a little bit closer, and the Bible says, this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. Now, what we're dealing with here, what this guy sees, 
he sees an image, a graven image of a woman made out of lead sitting in a bushel basket or a bushel and a half basket, an ephah basket, if you will. And verse number eight, he said, this is wickedness. So it's not a good thing. It's not a pretty thing here that he's looking at. Um, This is wickedness. And he cast it in the midst of the ephah and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Now, keep your finger here, and let's run some verses, first of all, on this image of the woman. Look in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And verse number 33. Matthew chapter 13, and verse number 33. Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Leaven everywhere in your Bible is a picture of the corrupting influence of sin. And Jesus said the leaven is going to be introduced into my kingdom by a woman. By a woman. Okay? Turn over to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter number 2. Say, Brother James, what's wrong with such and such a church? Look at the statues on the walls. See which one is largest. See which one is elevated. See which one people light candles to and pray to. You better watch out for that woman. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication. And eat things sacrificed unto idols. You say, why does God forbid women to teach in the church? Don't some of them have good things to say? Yes, but the people might not catch the one bad one when she shows up. That woman who makes herself a prophetess, who teaches that which leavens and which corrupts the body of Christ. Turn over to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. Verse number 1. There came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit on a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, such as Pontiff, Holy Father, Vicar of Christ, Prince of Apostles. Uh, Those are names of blasphemy. Those names don't belong to men. They belong to God. That's blasphemy. And uh, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. No question about it. Decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Having a golden cup in her hand. Do you know any church, any religion on the face of this earth that is symbolized by a golden cup? Purple and scarlet for her colors, you know good and well what it is. Nobody has to name it. Nobody has to uh, tell you what it is. Full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. You better watch out for Holy Mother Church. There ain't any such creature in all your Bible. The church is the congregate. Of the saved, born-again Christians. And any such thing as Holy Mother Church anywhere. You better watch out for it. 
I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath seven heads and ten horns. One more in your Old Testament, Second Chronicles chapter 24. Second Chronicles chapter 24. Not much Bible study been done on the books of Chronicles. One day somebody needs to study them. One day somebody needs to put out some material on these books. But you've got a picture here of a woman who has usurped the throne by murdering God's people and comes within an eyelash of killing God's chosen king and God's anointed. And just in time, the Lord saves and preserves a remnant by casting her down. That's old uh, Athaliah. The Bible says in Second Chronicles 24, verse 7, For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God. And also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. So, when you read in Zechariah chapter 5 about a woman connected with an image, and you run your Bible all the way through your Bible, and you find out that a woman is connected with idolatry and the worship of images, and in every place that practice and that woman is condemned, that ought to tip you off to something that's going on in Zechariah chapter number 5. Now, look in verse 8. He said, this is wickedness. He cast it into the midst of the ephah. He cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. And I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women. And the wind was in their wings. For they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Now, before you interpret the Bible in light of the art museum, before you interpret the Bible in light of the pretty pictures that are in your family Bible on the coffee table, there is no such thing from Genesis to Revelation as a female angel. These are women. There is no such thing in your Bible from Genesis to Revelation as an angel with wings. These aren't angels. Now, isn't it a strange thing when the artists who belong to the church that worships the image of the woman paint pictures of God's ministering angels, they always paint women with wings. Isn't that a strange thing? Now, keep your finger here and let's check out these winged creatures. Come back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Give you just a few of the many passages to which we could turn. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse number 3. Matthew 13, 3. He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. When he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Jesus identifies the fowls of the air as the ministers of Satan in Matthew chapter 13. Look in Matthew 13, verse 33. Or, I'm sorry, 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which is indeed the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. It's not supposed to be. This is a monstrosity. And becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. 
The Bible nowhere teaches a universal salvation. The Bible nowhere teaches the gradual influence of the gospel spreading until everyone is part of the true church. The Bible teaches in the last days there will be a monstrosity that God did not plan. There will be something abnormal in its growth and in its size, and you will know it's not of God because Satan's ministers have lodged therein. Every denomination that is today apostate and corrupt began with a man proclaiming the truth. God blessed that man, and that man became a ministry, and that ministry became a movement. But once the man died, the movement ceased to move, and instead it began to expand. And the only way you can expand is to start letting the birds lodge in the branches. That's what's, that's, listen, that's why it is, it is the most miraculous thing on the face of this earth if you see a church go from 50 to 100, then from 100 to 200, then from 200 to 300, and maintain its doctrinal purity. Because if you're not careful, it ceases to be a ministry. And you lose the vision God gave the man. And you become a machine. You remember Brother Knutson preaching back in January? About how a church becomes a machine? Once it becomes a machine, the birds start lodging in the branches. We don't want that. goes back to what we talked about earlier. You say, Brother James, how come so and so left? We cut off the branch they were roosting on. And they flew away. Amen. Hey, better to have a small tree pruned by God and bearing fruit than a great big monstrosity full of bad birds. Now, I don't like that. I wish everybody in town was saved and loved the book. But we're not going to throw out the book to get everybody in town inside the doors. Can't do it. All right, look in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. And verse number 20. Ecclesiastes 10.20. Curse not the king. No, not in my thought. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry thy voice. And that which hath wings shall tell the matter. You say, Brother James, a little bird told me. Who is that little bird? Well, they that have wings, that's not angels. They're not carrying messages in that fashion. But there's somebody listening into your private conversations. There's somebody, according to this verse, that's even reading your thought life. And they're not good guys. They're not on our side. You say, you don't take that stuff literally, do you? Sure. Why would God say it? There are no fairy tales in the world. God didn't need to write any. There they are right there. Look in Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter number 11. God's listing some good things and some bad things. Leviticus 11, starting at verse 13. And these are they which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls. They are an abomination. The eagle, the ossifrage, the osprey, the vulture, the kite. Just going down quickly through the list. Raven, owl, nighthawk, cuckoo, hawk, little owl, cormorant, great owl, swan, pelican, gear eagle, stork, heron. Uh, lapwing and the bats. You wouldn't think God would have to put in the Bible not to eat bats. You'd think folks just kind of figured that out on their own. But anyway, there's a list there of unclean beasts. And they're winged creatures and fowls of the air. 
Okay? Now, let's come back to Zechariah. Chapter number 5. And read through these verses. Verse 6, what is it? He said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, Moreover, this is their resemblance to all the earth. Behold, there was lifted up a talon of lead, and this is a woman. Uh-oh, we better watch. This doesn't sound too good. That sitteth in the midst of the ephah. He said, This is wickedness. He cast it in the midst of the ephah. He cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Then he lifted up my eyes. Look, behold, there came out two women. And the wind was in their wings. Uh-oh, this doesn't look good. For they had wings like the wings of a stork. That's an unclean bird. I better watch that thing. They lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto me to build it an house in the land of Shinar. It should be established and set there upon her, the woman, own base. Now, this wicked woman, the mother of harlots, Revelation 17, in the last days, her base of operation is going to be moved, relocated to a place called Shinar. Remember, Rome is the religious capital, but somewhere else is the political capital. The false prophet is the religious leader, but the Antichrist will be a political leader. And the base of operation will go undetected by all but God's elect, because it will not be centered in Rome, the seat of idolatry. The base of operation will be moved to the plain of Shinar. Now, it's noticeable that as we go with the series of visions in Zechariah, there's less way of interpretation. It's as though the Lord would give enough in regard to the earlier visions to lay a solid foundation for the understanding of the latter ones. Thus, the need of carefully comparing what we have here with what has already come before us in Zechariah. This vision carries us to the iniquity in the land which us judge. In the last days, we learn that idolatry will become part of the Jewish worship once again. Though probably by force. If you want to look that up, it's Matthew 13, 43 to 45, and Matthew 24, 15. Believe it or not, and you wouldn't believe it the way things are now, but the Jews will be forced back into a system of idolatry during the Great Tribulation. The last state of that Christ-rejecting generation will be worse than the first. See Daniel eleven thirty-eight, Revelation 13, 15, Revelation 18, 4. Now, the truth is that in Shinar... Not only was the beginning of that power of idolatry, but it's also the end of that place of idolatry. Idolatry is the evil that has afflicted the Jews all through history, and God's always punished them for idolatry. Now, turn over in your Bible, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 11, verse 1. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. They had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. They said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And you know what happened? God came down and put a stop to all that. And verse number 9, Therefore is the name of it called Babel. The famous tower of Babel was built in the plain of Shinar. That's where that base of operation was. 
We won't go into all that thing tonight. But uh, without a doubt, they built a thing that looked like an obelisk. I don't believe they were trying to build a tower tall enough where they could climb up on that tower to get to heaven. I believe they were building a tower whose top would reach to heaven. And if you want to see that thing worked out in these last days, all men of all languages and all people working together to build a tower whose top may reach to heaven, all you got to do is go down here to Cape Kennedy and you'll see a thing looks just like an obelisk and you'll see them blast that thing off from a launch tower and the top of that thing goes up into the heavens looking for God. We've come a long way, baby. People say, I don't believe the book of Genesis is literal. I believe it's a myth. Then how come the leading minds of your day are doing just exactly what the leading minds of that day did? Man hadn't changed. We haven't gotten anywhere in 6,000 years. There it is right there. You can read that chapter this evening. We've taught on that before. We're not going to go through that again. Now, come to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter number 3. He said, Brother James, I don't believe that civilizations were, were that advanced back then. Really? You know, a fellow can gather a lot of knowledge in 70 years living down here on this earth if he applies himself. Reckon what a fellow could acquire in 700 years. You'll never convince me those people weren't intellectually superior to the people of our day. I believe that. Now, you can argue that, disagree with that, but it doesn't make any difference one way or the other, so why fight about it? That's just personally the way I feel about things. Daniel chapter number 3. When you see Enoch, you can ask him about it. Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits. That's 60. The breadth thereof, six cubits. Six, six. He set it up in the plain of Duran, the province of Babylon. Those are the exact dimensions of an obelisk. The base, one-tenth the height. So what's an obelisk? Washington Monument. They get a black one in St. Peter's. They got them all over the face of this earth. It's a phallic symbol. has to do with the sinful uh, practices of sexual immorality in a religious context. And that's what old Nebuchadnezzar built out here. Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, governors, all of them got together. They cried aloud. Verse number five, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, haltery, uh, dulcimer, uh, bass guitar, lead guitar, uh, snare drum, synthesizer. That's in the living Bible. Uh, in all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Listen. Nebuchadnezzar, he is a picture of the Antichrist. He rules the whole earth from his throne. He sets up an image. He says, if you don't worship that image, we'll throw you in the fiery furnace. Where was it? Daniel chapter number 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar. Now, do you want to know where the land of Shinar is, if you want to locate it and pinpoint it on the map? you know where this Tower of Babel was built? Do you know where this image that Nebuchadnezzar set up was? Do you know where the base of operation will be for this idol worship in the Great Tribulation? It is approximately, it is, well, on the map, it's just west of the border that divides Iraq and Kuwait. 
Isn't that strange? Now, I don't know if we're living in the last days or not, but I wouldn't wait till tomorrow to get saved if I didn't know Jesus and wasn't ready to go. There's a little too much going on over there to, for me to sit back and just let it go. I mean, maybe this isn't it, but what if it is? What if all the pieces of the puzzle are beginning to fit together? Now, look in your Bible in Revelation 13 and Proverbs chapter 30. Revelation chapter 13 and Proverbs chapter 30. This Antichrist, verse 11. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, had two horns like a lamb, spake as a dragon. He looks like Jesus all along. But if you listen to his words, he talks like the devil. He exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, calls it the earth, them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He doeth great wonders, so he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men, deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. He's very charismatic. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause it as many should not worship the image of the beast should be killed. He causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, uh, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And this is the whole idea here. You worship the beast by bowing down to the image, and if you don't worship the beast by bowing down to the image, you'll be killed. What form of death? Revelation chapter 20, verse number 4. What is the form of death? Revelation 20, verse 4. I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded... For the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. These people have died before the millennial kingdom is set up. They died for not worshipping the beast. They are killed, obviously, during the great tribulation. What is the form of death for those that won't worship the image? Beheading. Now, Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. Verse 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. The horse leech... That's a bloodsucker. The horse leech hath two daughters. Zechariah chapter 5. Crying, give, give. These are, there are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things. Say not, it is enough. Now, let's tie all this together. Brother James, do you believe you're living in the last days? Yes, I do. Why? Because the predominant religion of this earth has to do with the worship of idols and images and has as its supreme deity a woman. Number two, the political and military eyes of this world are on a plane in Shinar. 
Number three, because those who stand in pulpits and claim to be ministers of Jesus Christ are not proclaiming the Word of God. They're just saying, give, 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 give. They're bloodsuckers. They're leeches. Bleeding God's people dry. Now, how's all this fit in with this image in Zechariah? He said, I saw this thing begin to take place. There was a base of operation in Shinar, but this thing was set up all over the earth. Now, look at this. I say, no, I'm not taking that mark. And so they throw me in jail. They say, there's only one way you can get out of this jail without getting your head cut off. You've got to bow down and worship that image of the beast. I say, absolutely not, I won't do that. On the orders of His Majesty the King and by the decree of Holy Mother Church, you will worship that image or we'll cut your head off. And in order to keep your soul from being damned to hellfire, you say, you'll just have to cut my head off. And they walk you over to the guillotine, and they lay you down on that guillotine, and what's waiting for you but an ephah, a basket for your head to fall in when they cut it off. And the last thing you see before you die, sitting in the bottom of that basket, is an image of that woman. God said, this is wickedness. It's wickedness. And it is not hateful, it is not cruel, it is not unkind to preach and warn people against the false religions of this world. It will cost them their life and their soul if they don't flee from Babylon and come out of her. Isn't that simple? Now you say, Brother James, you're going to stick around or you're going to go on the road full time. Where else could I preach this? <laughs> That's some book you got there, isn't it? That's some book. So, next time somebody says, well, we go to that church with a pretty little statue of the woman out back, that ought to shake you to your bones. There's more to that thing than going to the church of your choice, folks. There's a worship of God that leads in heaven, and there's a worship of, of idols that leads in hell, and it's all right here in this old Bible. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father.